Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Conservative. Constitutional. It's the Andrew Cooper Writer Show. Keeping you informed on what's going on right here in Kentucky. And welcome, everybody, to the Andrew Cooper Writer Show, your source for Kentucky politics. If you're tuning in for the first time, just a reminder for you, the Andrew Cooper Writer Show is available at 9 a.m. on WZXI. That's 94.1 FM, 95.5 FM, and 12.80 a.m. in the kind of central Kentucky area, Garrett County, Jasmine, Boyle, Madison, Lincoln County, Circle South Lexington area. You can tune in there every day at 9 a.m. You can also tune in on the WZXI web player that's available on theandrewshow.com. Just go to theandrewshow.com. It's right there on the homepage. But if you miss it there, never fear. You can still catch the Andrew Cooper Writer Show at 1 p.m. everywhere else. You can listen on all major podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, iHeart, Pandora, so, so many, as well as available in the video format on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Rumble every day at 1 p.m. So you, you you don't have to miss out on your chance. And as always, I encourage you, please make sure you're sharing the show with others, inviting them to listen in as we learn together about what's going on politically right here in Kentucky. There's a lot of shows that you could listen to that will give you the same old headlines, same old ideas. But here on the Andrew Kubrider Show, we keep you informed on Kentucky politics specifically. And as always, if you want to reach out to the show, feel feel free to email info at theandrewshow.com. Once again, that's info at theandrewshow.com. Well, yesterday I went in uh, pretty good detail about some proposed rule changes that was signed on to by eight legislators in the House asking leadership in the House to adopt these rule changes. And I, I kind of went through how it, of course, would would move some power from the hands of few to the hands of many. And how this gets passed is it's the one of the first bills passed out of the legislature is its rules that it will operate by that session. And by adding in those rules, proposing amendments into those rules, uh, and then encouraging your legislators to vote for it, that's how it could get done. But why would leadership want to forward that? Why would leadership in the Republican Party want to forward that? Well, I, I, I tell you this much. They are definitely dealing with uh, some warring fractions within the Republican Party. The unity issue, as noted by Mac Brown, uh, is becoming a real problem. Now, it's, it's more of a problem, of course, because Republicans are in power. Democrats are having their own split of in, in here in Kentucky. I'll go over that here in a little bit. But uh, right now, focusing on the Republican Party, they have some division 
And there's a few things causing uh, this division. Uh, first, there's a thought process some people have that don't actually identify conservatism to mean anything specific. Uh, to some Republicans out there, the difference between a Republican and Democrat simply is sometimes a disagreement about what to spend money on. And that's it. That's the only disagreement. It's not about to spend less. It's not on even social issues. Uh, if anything, Republican and liberal elites and establishment people, they really don't care about those social issues. They demagogue them to win elections, of course, but they don't themselves actually care. They're just responding to their base. Most of the time for them, it's simply uh, just a disagreement of what to spend money on. They're not actually having that big of a difference of opinion. They just play for two different teams, kind of like you know basketball players or football players playing for two different teams. Uh, the only difference is what color jersey they wear. That's pretty much it. Um, and so those individuals that want to keep quote unquote, making wins on the board in the Republican Party, you'll hear them say we need to be a quote unquote, big tent party. And what they mean by this is welcoming in people of all kinds. Sometimes we've heard even at the national level calling for loosening up or opening up on the LGBTQ issues when it comes to the Republican Party in order to become more of a big tent party. Now, I believe that, yes, we want more people in the Republican Party. And this is what, of course, uh, the other side of things, the anti-establishment, the conservative wing, they say, yes, we want more people in the Republican Party, but we want the Republican Party to stand for something. We want people coming into the party, not because we have changed what we believe in to be more tenable to them, but because those individuals have seen the fall of liberal beliefs. Those individuals have seen the problem with the Democrat platform, the liberal platform, and have decided instead that the Republican platform is where they want to go, that they do have the answer. So you don't weaken conservatism. You just make sure you have a clear and concise message on how it solves your problems. You have a clear and concise message on the social issues, why those viewpoints are there, and ensure you quote unquote market them the right way. But that doesn't mean you change the base idea. You don't change the basic concept of thought. Those are kind of the two warring fractions as far as philosophical beliefs, but why they can't get along a lot of times is because there's an ongoing idea of, you know, just put, put one group in the corner and ignore them. And that of course will create issues amongst them. There's no open discussion. Uh, they're oftentimes left to the side. And so if leadership in the Republican House wants to make a difference, they want to bring their caucus together, they want to stop the infighting, and they want to stop a growing trend of both sides finding opponents to primary each other, uh, wasting, of course, Republican resources in primaries, and instead put more money towards the generals and saving them for important races like the governor's race, well, then they need to do a few things. One of those things is leadership in and of itself needs to exit being involved with primary, stop picking and choosing winners and losers and primaries, then you don't create enemies. The second thing they need to do is stop trying to put voices in the corner. And these rule changes that were proposed by these House members would help to do that. But that's not the only place in the Republican Party where this is happening. See, the Kentucky Republican Party has also had this problem under its former chair, Mac Brown. And this weekend, there will be a vote to replace Mac Brown with a temporary chair for the next year and a half or so until reorganization. And for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about when I say Republican Party reorganization, keep listening to the show. We'll talk about it after the presidential election. But anyways, um, so what, what they want to do is uh, uh, Robert uh, Benvenuti, 
He is the only person who's currently declared to be running for chair. He'll probably most likely be Mac Brown's replacement, and he has a task before him. He can decide to continue on Mac Brown's uh, path of trying to marginalize and put aside the conservative wing of the party, the party that disagrees with his viewpoints politically, can continue to push them to the side and then scratch their heads on why big important races like the governor's race uh, continues to be a problem, continues to scratch their head on why there's not more unity or Robert Benvenuti can make a different decision. He can decide to bring them together by giving a voice to all sides of the Republican Party. And with that vote this weekend and him most likely taking over, I'll be interested to see what he can deliver on. I'll be interested to see from the outside if Robert Benvenuti can bring together unity within the Republican Party by essentially excusing himself from creating the division. Instead of putting people to the side, recognize that if we want the party to grow, Recognize that if you want to accomplish more things as a party, you need to bring more people in. And it is the conservative wing of this party that is growing. Those people, the establishment people, the liberal Republicans, that is a shrinking wing of the party. You can see that in resignations. Liz Cheney gets voted out. Uh, um, Mitt Romney leaving, right? Uh, uh, even people within our own legislature, people like Whitney Westfield leaving. Why are they leaving? Because they continue to have to fight with their own party and the growing majority disagrees with them. And they're realizing, well, we need to leave the Republican Party. We hate Trump. We hate conservatism. We hate conservatives. So we need to exit the party. And uh, we no longer want to deal with it. So the growing wing is a conservative wing. And you can either embrace that. The party can choose. And Robert Benvenuti is the incoming chair for the Republican Party of Kentucky. Can either choose to embrace conservatism and conservatives. Or at least not marginalize them and put them in the corner. Or he can continue on the path of creating division by trying to ignore those who most wholeheartedly believe in the Republican platform and who most wholeheartedly believe in traditional conservatism, the very thing the party was actually built on. And it'll be interesting to see what choice he makes. We've got some interesting conversations from legislators uh, that happened recently on some issues. I said I'd go over the division within the Democrat party. Uh, that's what we'll be going over next after this short break. You're listening to the Andrew Cooperwriter Show, your source for Kentucky politics. And you are back with the Andrew Kubrider Show, your source for Kentucky politics. As always, if you want to reach out to the show, remember you can email info at theandrewshow.com. Once again, that's info at theandrewshow.com. Before the break, I was talking about division within the Republican Party, both in the legislature and, of course, within the party itself. But I promised I'd talk about division within the Democrat Party because despite the fact it doesn't get nearly the amount of attention because Democrats are mainly in the minority in almost every single place other than the governor's office. So, you know, they don't really have a lot of power to fight over. So it's not going to get the same amount of attention. There is a fair amount of division within the Republican part within the Democrat Party. Sorry. And you saw this flare up during the election time. And that division is based upon mainly an idea that uh, the Democrat Party is either Bashir's party or does it have a future? During the general election, uh, there was a choice made that all resources and most amount of attention should be focused on Andy Bashir. And those who actually were put in place to run in certain offices were not actually put there to win. They were never going to put 
uh, resources behind them. They were simply put there to be good surrogates to push forward Andy Bashir. And this, of course, has drawn some ire from those within the Democrat Party who say, well, by focusing so much on this governor's office, this one office that he really doesn't have that much power, can do things. Uh, we are having, and, and by this being the Andy Bashir show, well, we're unable to win in other places. That is a problem with Democrats. And you saw this rear uh, its head most interestingly about how this is the Kentucky Democrat Party is was about Andy Bashir, is about Andy Bashir. Uh, and, and he's not really wanting to involve other people in a special election that took place in Lexington. During the governor's uh, race, there was a special election taking place, I believe, in the 97th district, which was recently moved from eastern Kentucky to Lexington, where uh, a newly elected representative, uh, Swain, uh, unfortunately had passed away. And so there's a special election. In special elections, uh, how it works is, is the party itself, the apparatuses within the counties, uh, they vote, the executive committee votes on just them, that group, so like, you know, 50 or so people, vote on who will represent the party on the general ticket. It isn't opened up for general primary for everybody to vote in, but it's only for those who uh, are part of the executive committees, and they then vote on who they want in that election. And uh, famously in that, there was a, uh, they ended up picking, uh, who ended up winning, uh, Camila, Camila, whatever. The woman who ended up winning, uh, of course, the nomination and then the election against Kyle Wayland, um, she was picked over another individual. And that was a mentally ill man, Emma Curtis, who believes that they are a woman. Uh, a trans woman then, of course, would be the name there. And the push by Emma Curtis to get elected received a fair amount of pushback secretly behind closed doors to the point where Emma wasn't selected. Why? Because they knew if they put a transgender person on the ballot, that could cost Bashir votes. And it wasn't about getting as, as much as, of course, the trans LGBTQ cadre would love for the Democrat Party to be all about them. The Kentucky Democrat Party is about Andy Bashir, And so that would hurt his election chances. So Emma was not picked. Uh, Emma was cast to the side because Emma was a liability. And so that is the division being created within the Democrat party right now. And, and the way it kind of showed itself that there's that, that Bashir isn't even talking to the Democrat legislators. You may remember during the election cycle that Cameron regularly brought up the fact that Bashir does not talk to the legislators. He doesn't talk to him at all. Now, I thought they were just saying he doesn't talk to the Republican legislators because he doesn't feel he needs to. But recently on uh, Kentucky Tonight, Senator Robin Webb, a Democrat senator, uh, had this to say. Julie Rocky Adams was first asked uh, whether or not Bashir would be working with the Senate well, whether they'd work with him. And uh, so Julia Rocky Adams responds, and then Robin Webb responds. Go ahead and take a, a listen. Oh, the way that they have the last four years. I think <clears> that <throat> um, the relationship between the administration and the General Assembly will probably remain the same. I have a feeling that it'll be kind of business as usual um, happening. And is and, that good or bad? Well, I, I think, unfortunately, there are 
there really is room for improvement. Um, you know, we are the legislative making body, but in order to make that really good legislation, we need to have input about how implementation is going. What do they need? What kind of barriers do they need to be removed to be more successful on their end of things? What kind of dollars would make them more successful on their end of things? And so, that collaborative approach is really important, I think, to make really good public policy for the citizens of Kentucky. And so, um, you know, I look forward to the administration engaging uh, with us. Do I think that they will? I'm not sure, but I hope they will. But I think for right now, I mean, in my opinion, the next four years will probably be like the last four years. Yeah. Do you think that, Senator Webb? <clears throat> well, I'm hopeful that we'll have communication, better communication. And uh, was that the same with the even the Democrats in the House and Senate that you weren't having conversations with the first floor? I, there, there have been governors that have done better. Uh, I, mm -hmm. I, I think in communicating uh, with us, mm -hmm. I don't. There are governors who have done better. Just more proof that Amy Bashir, of course, despite his nice guy attitude, doesn't actually care about working with others, even Democrats within his own party. And it's funny to see this kind of um, idea that these these Democrats in Kentucky have that somehow that with Amy Bashir winning, it's given them this hope, this delusional hope that they will just regain power. I've got news for you. The minute Amy Bashir's done in office unless you can cook up somebody else with the last name Bashir or somebody real similar to him, you ain't holding the governor's office. And I got news for you. You ain't grabbing control of the house or Senate anytime soon. Despite this, there are a lot of delusional Democrats out there. Somebody commented on a recent post I made a delusional Democrat and stated that if the Kentucky house and Senate were on the ballot in 2023, Democrats would somehow hold a trifecta. They would have control of both the governor's mansion as well as the state house and state Senate. Completely ignoring the fact that every single down ballot race, Republicans won by more than or close to 20 points, 20 percent, almost 60 percent of the vote went to all the down ballot Republicans with the Democrats facing gigantic, insurmountable losses where there's nothing they could have done to have pulled off a victory. And they ignore this and they enter into this delusional thought process that all these seats somehow are in play, ignoring the vast amount of resources that had to be put into Andy Bashir, the amount of fact that the party had to focus on only one race and ignoring, of course, uh, that Andy Bashir is a incumbent. And obviously taking seats from incumbents is even harder, but they do have their delusions of grandeur, but as long as the Republican, the Democrat Party continues to only focus on Andy Bashir, Democrats especially won't win because you can't repeat a Bashir. You can't do it. His, his dad was governor. He had a recognizable last name. He's currently in office, so he's an incumbent, so people have experienced him in office. But if they're given the choice and they don't know what you will be like in office because they haven't experienced you before like they had a Bashir, they're going to choose the Republican because they trust them more. And that is a fact that Democrats in the state have got to swallow. That is something they absolutely have to swallow. You know, another interesting uh, thing that was discussed during this conversation was about the seek formula uh, on Kentucky Tonight. So 
for those are unaware, unaware, about half of our state budget goes into something called the SEEK Fund. And the SEEK Fund is a per-pupil funding provided to each school district in Kentucky. And right now it's right around about $4,400. So per student per year from the state gets $4,400. Now, there has been a prior court ruling that says that it's for the state that, that every citizen across the Commonwealth that all students have to have pretty equal educational opportunities. They've interpreted our state constitution that requires uh, for public funding of a common school to mean that everybody must receive pretty similar size educational standards. They need to receive um, you know, basically uh, a similar uh, educational funding opportunity. And right now there's great disparity between uh, some of the rural counties, especially and districts like uh, Jefferson County Public Schools, Louisville. In fact, some rural counties are spending as low as twelve to $13,000 per student, while districts like Fayette County are spending seventeen, eighteen thousand, $18,000, and then districts like Jefferson County are spending twenty. dollars $21,000 per student. And this is coming from an increase of property taxes. It's simply put that they make more money off property taxes. And so they have more. They're all being provided the same amount of funding from the state, but they have different property taxes. And the last time there was this kind of disparity, the Supreme Court stepped in and said, no, you have to redo your SEEK formula to even out educational standards. So the conversation has been there about, should we, do we have to level out this SEEK formula? Do we have to make it to where all students across the Commonwealth have quote unquote equal educational opportunities because equal amount or similar amount of money is being spent. And right now the disparity between school districts is very great. And of course, this has been primarily pushed by mainly liberals in order to get more school funding into all these districts. They think that's what will happen. The state will just pony up massive amounts of more money, and they believe that money is how you solve the problems. But based upon the discussion I heard within this uh, Kentucky Tonight legislative talk, it seems like those liberals are actually about to shoot themselves in the foot as they continue to push this forward. So I'll be talking about that, the SEEK formula, how, how, what kind of changes that might have after this short break. You're listening to The Andrew Cooperwriter Show, your source for Kentucky politics. As always, if you want to reach out to the show, just email info at theandrewshow.com. Once again, that's info at theandrewshow.com. We'll see you all back here in just a few, few short minutes. And you are back with the Andrew Kubrider Show, your source for Kentucky politics. Before the break, we were talking about the SEEK formula, an educational formula that about half our tax dollars goes into that provides the public school funding from the state. And right now that sits at about 4400 a student. Now, the poor per student funding, though it's even across the state, the amount each district is spending per student varies greatly. Well, some rural districts are spending as low as $12,000 a student. You've got bigger districts like Fayette County spending 17, 18 and Jefferson County spending 20, 21, $22,000 a student. And this massive disparity, this huge disparity uh, has been priorly ruled unconstitutional. And it seems like a matter of time before their, the liberals file a lawsuit to force there to be more school funding because, of course, they believe that all schools just need more money. That's it. We just need more money. But that money has to come from somewhere. And what I think the <laughs> liberals here will not like 
is that it will hurt them in Jefferson County and Fayette County the most. Why? Well, because the difference in funding isn't because the state is funding people differently. It is because the counties are pulling in different levels a property tax. So if you're demanded to even that out to make sure all students have similar or close to similar funding per student by the Supreme Court of the state, well, what you'll have to do is therefore create a seek formula that takes into account how much these districts are making in property tax funding. And that means that districts that don't pull in as much property tax to their schools would receive more from the state and districts who do would end up receiving less. And so districts like Jefferson County Public Schools might see their entire SEEK funding go away because then that money will be redirected to give more money to the districts charging less on their property tax. Now, of course, this they may be just forced to do. And not only is this anti-conservative clearly, but also it really hurts most the liberal school districts, the same people that demand that this be changed. And they're demanding it because they think that the state will just give everybody more money, but that money has to come from somewhere. Uh, they have, they can't just magic it out of the air. It has to be taxed or drawn. And so while you, you may see the seek formula increase in size, the problem is there's still there isn't enough to provide the 4400 you're providing to Louisville and also then to these districts where maybe they're only spending 12,000 per student send them another 4400 a student as well to even out that spending. That money just does not exist in the system. It's not there. And so they'll have to take money away from Louisville and Lexington and other districts in order to redirect them to these rural districts. Now, I think generally speaking, wealth redistributionism is absolutely awful in this way. I don't think it's fair that because you're taxed more in Fayette County or another county on your property taxes compared to another county's made the decision to tax less because that's a decision you have no take in that then your money's being taken from you and then sent to these other districts. I don't think that's fair at all because you have no control over what these other districts do. I have no control. I have no say so in what Rowan County decides they want to tax property at for their schools. However, I will end up paying for it because if my county has their property taxes at this rate, but because they have decided to tax lower, they now get more money from the state. Well, that money has to be coming out of yours and I's pockets. It's not very fair. It's not very straightforward, but it may be something that the Supreme Court or the liberals in the state forced to have happen and something I'm sure they don't want to see happen. And so it's, it's kind of funny that them always demanding the schools have more money may actually result in liberal districts receiving less money while the rural districts receive more. It's just kind of a interesting thing, but there's another interesting topic that they covered during this uh, Kentucky tonight conversation. There's this other interesting subject and that was regarding, uh, once again, Whitney Westerfield has a very liberal bill. This guy's on his way out. He he's, he's just this guy. I mean, 
he he regularly online will talk about how much he hates Trump and hates conservatives and everything else. He sits around here. He proposes red flag gun laws like Carr. He sits here and pushes forward uh, uh, hugely liberal bills. And now he's got a new liberal bill that I'm hearing about for the first time because, of course, I can't read it because it's not pre-filed. But, of course, all the other legislators have pre-filed it. And, and to, to give you an idea of whether or not this is a good bill, just listen to the glowing praise that House Rep Lindsey Burke, extremely far-left Democrat, heaps onto this bill uh, from this Kentucky Tonight interview. Take a listen. Um, which I think is jokingly being referred to as the momnibus bill um, from Senator Westerfield, is phenomenal. And I couldn't have written a better piece of legislation myself. I think that if the General Assembly wants to get serious about showing Kentucky families that they matter, then that's exactly the type of bill that we need to be supporting from both sides of the aisle. I can pretty much guarantee that all of my colleagues in the Democratic caucus would throw their weight behind it in a heartbeat uh, because it does wonderful things like allow moms to go to college tuition free if they're pregnant to have housing support while they're pregnant, mental health support, all sorts of really important services that are just conspicuously absent in Kentucky. And if we want women to make informed decisions about how to live their lives and for them to succeed and raise families, then that's exactly the type of legislation we need. And I was just yeah. thrilled to see it. Well just thrilled to see it. Now, those of you listening may have first to hear that and think, yeah, that's great that the government would provide that. You might even be thinking to yourself, and, and this is the way liberals have kind of co-opted some of our abortion stances, that Republicans or conservatives aren't pro-life. They're just pro-birth. They're not pro-family. They're just pro-birth. They just want to force women to give birth to babies, but they don't want to provide the kind of support to uh, uh, women and families and children after they're born. You just want to force them to have children. And I think this is where Republicans have fallen short on messaging. Because I think Republicans sitting there saying, we are pro-birth, we're pro-family. You're wrong on both accounts. This is where we should have came in and said, no, what conservatism is about is pro-personal responsibility. I'm pro stop turning the government for a handout. I'm pro you made a choice to have sex and you don't get to murder a child over it. Now, if you want to turn and say, but Andrew, you say victims of rape and incest shouldn't have abortions. What would you want to do there? Well, let's offer these services to them then. And you know what? Let's not ask the general taxpayers to pay for it. Instead, let's make those who have been charged with rape and incest pay for it. Let's make those who have done the crime pay for it. When you have a child, as a man, normally, you either stay married, take care of it, or if you're not together and for whatever reason you're not in the kid's life, guess what? You got to pony up. You got to pay child support. Well, you know what? Even if the the mother, the victim of the rape or incest decides not to keep the kid, the, the rapist, the incestist should be forced to pay into a fund to then fund these services for the victims of rape and incest, just like child support pay into this. So that way we can do that. Call it the piece of trash rapist fund. If you want, I, I, I don't care. Let's call it that and say, if you're convicted of rape, even if, even if it's not 
results in a born child. If you're convicted of rape or incest, you need to pay a gigantic fine into this fund. Let's do that. Let's absolutely do that. And let's provide these services, free college and housing and, and healthcare and mental health services to these kids and to these parents, the mother of these children in those situations. But to sit here and demand and say, I want all taxpayers to pay for a woman's decision to not keep her legs closed, that is extremely socialist. That's extremely liberal. We'll be talking more about this in just a short, short break. I'm coming up on a break. Uh, we'll cover this in the next segment. Um, we'll be back here. You're listening to The Andrew Kubrider Show, your source for Kentucky politics. And you're back with The Andrew Kubrider Show, your source for Kentucky politics. Comments, concerns, feelings, just email info at theandrewshow.com. Once again, that's info at theandrewshow.com. Before the break, we were talking about this momnibus bill uh, that all the Democrats apparently love, 100% love it, as we heard from Lindsey Burke, that Whitney Westfield has put forward to provide free college, mental health care, uh, education, um, you know, insurance, housing to women who are pregnant and have children. And as I said before the break, if you want to do that for victims of rape and incest, absolutely, let's do it. And as I said, it should be funded by rapists and incestists, whatever that word would be, those who commit incest. Incestist? If you know what that word should be, email it to me. But anyways, if you want to force them to pay for it, let's make them pay for it. Even if a kid doesn't result from their heinous, horrible act of, of violence and disregard for women, make them pay into it. Make that a part of their punishment. Make them pay into it for the rest of their life. Make them pay 250, 300 bucks a month into that fund so you can provide those services. Let's do it. Absolutely. 100%. But as I said, to sit here and say that anytime a woman makes a decision with a man to engage in getting it on, and then a baby is conceived from it. Why should we provide these services to them? Because like I said, we in the conservative party should be about pro personal responsibility. This call for more mental health services. What's create special stuff for pregnant women. Let's offer more welfare. Let's offer what's invest in more government services. All you're doing is robbing us of Liberty. You're robbing us of humanity at the same time, because the whole entire concept of Liberty of freedom is personal responsibility. And when you say, well, they made this decision to get pregnant. So let's give them free stuff. You're not telling them take accountability for your decisions. For those of you who think it's just easy for me to claim, listen here, you don't have to be a math genius to figure this out. I've got a son turning 12 in December. I'm a young guy. I can't at a young age. I didn't go to college. And you know what I did? Without giving money from my parents or anything else, at a young age, I said, I need to take care of my responsibilities. I grew up having a kid was one of the best things that ever happened to me at a young age because it gave me focus and I went to work. And right now to this day, I own several companies. I employ dozens of Kentuckians. I built that myself because I was forced to because I needed to take accountability for my actions because one, I'm a man and also women need to do this, but I'm a man and I manned up and I took care of my business. I take care of my family because that is my responsibility. That is not the government's responsibility. And when you go about saying, let's create all these liberal and social services, what you're saying is let's replace 
taking care of yourself. Let's replace a man. Let's replace providing for yourself with the government. Let's turn to the government. The government will tax everybody else to pay for it. It's just an endless money pot in these liberals' minds. But let's turn to them to fulfill the role of provider instead of pushing forward personal accountability. You know, yesterday I had a quote from Benjamin Franklin. When he was living in Europe, he stated he noticed that in countries where they do more for the poor, the poor did less for themselves and there was more poor people. And in countries where they had less of a social safety net, the poor did more for themselves and there was less poor people, period. Let us not reward making a bad personal decision. Let's instead encourage you to take care of yourself. And this encouragement, it doesn't come from the government either. See, this is the other thing is that, is that, the Democrats have this belief, these liberals have this belief that government can solve all your problems. And Republicans have bought into that. They say, you're just, you're just pro-birth. You're not pro-family. You're not about providing these services to pregnant women and women who have kids after they're born. You don't want to do that. You just want to force them to have kids. You're right. I don't want to provide those services from the government because it's not the government's responsibility. They took a personal choice. As I said, if they were the victim of rape or incest, I talked about how we should take care of that and how it should be paid for by those who committed that heinous act, those pieces of trash, they can come out of pocket for it. I don't care if they live in poverty on the street, they're less of their lives to scrape together that 500 bucks or whatever it'd be a month to pay into that fund. They deserve it. They're pieces of trash. But those who are not victims of rape or incest, please tell me why I should pay for it, why you should pay for their personal decisions. That's what they want you to do. And it is unthinkable for you to claim that they should take personal responsibility. It's literally, it's not even something Republicans are willing to say in office anymore. Those two Republicans sitting there as they're talking about that, and this bill proposed by Whitney Westerfield as they're talking about it, will refuse to say, why can't women just like not have kids? Why can't they just take accountability for their actions? Why, why are they engaging in unprotected sex. <laughs> like, it won't produce a kid. And you'll hear the Democrats claim, this is funny, Democrats will always claim, well, they don't have access to birth control. That's not true. That's not true at all. You can go down Planned Parenthood, pay like 10 bucks and get birth control. Pay 10 bucks a month for birth control. I mean, a condom costs a dollar. And they're pretty effective. Birth control and condoms are pretty effective at stopping a lot of this. Now, of course, you, you can't just say also maybe you just don't have sex because, of course, that's frowned upon in this modern day and age just to say, well, maybe you shouldn't have had sex if you didn't want to have a kid. Oh, well, you can't say that. What are you, a prude? Well, you know, you're asking me to pay for it. You're asking that guy down the street, you're asking the taxpayer to shell out money to pay for this person's personal decisions. So maybe I should get a say. So maybe I should be able to say, no, you can't do that. Huh? Maybe so. And that's the other dangerous part because you're giving up your freedom and liberties because as we continue down this road, and remember I talked about yesterday, how when the government gets involved in things, it suddenly becomes the fiscally responsible thing to do to offer more services in another direction. Brought this up about internet. It becomes a fiscal responsible thing to do for government to provide internet because we offer so much welfare and we want to move people off of it. So that, that now is the fiscal thing to do if you want to save money. And eventually the fiscally responsible thing to do to save money would be for the government to be offering, which then they would almost be forcing women and men to get bisectomies or, you know, was it hysterectomies? 
whatever it is, to make sure you can't have kids or to force you to take birth control or force you to uh, uh, not have <laughs> sex at all, that will eventually be it. That'll be it. And I want to, that's liberty, that's freedom. I don't want the government involved in your life because the minute government starts saying, I will subsidize something in your life, you've now invited them in to your bedroom to talk about it. That's why these things, I mean, you hear them talk about this bill. This bill provides mental health services. It provides free college, free housing, all these great, wonderful things. How could you be against that, Andrew? Well, you're just hateful. You're just anti-woman. No, I'm saying it's just not government's role. You know, maybe maybe the church needs to fill in a little bit. Maybe community needs to fill in a little bit. Or maybe we just need to preach, take responsibility for your own actions for once in your lives. But of course, that's not how you get reelected, right? You don't get reelected by telling people, hey, take responsibility for yourself. It's not the government's job. Um... Let's see. We had a few other things today to talk about. Here's one little small thing. I've got like two minutes left. So here's one little small thing here. Um, this was from a um, interesting little map, percentage of LGBT adults in the 50 states. And this was uh, put out by, I believe, the Williamsburg Institute. I believe it was called the, the Williams, um, Williams Institute. It was put out by the Williams Institute. For those of you who can't see this map. It shows Kentucky outside of D.C. Kentucky is the, or maybe outside of, yeah, outside of D.C. Kentucky is the gayest state or, or the, the highest percentage of LGBTQ in the nation at 10.5%. According to this map, Kentucky has almost twice as much LGBTQ adults as California. Now, I don't know if I believe that or not. I find that hard to believe. I, I find it hard to believe that when you look at our surrounding states too, we almost have double that amount. But when you hear people talking about how these social issues aren't something that Republicans should care about at all, and you take a look at that and you see, well, you think, oh, that's just happening in California. Well, apparently there's more LGBTQ adults <laughs> in Kentucky than there is in California. So it's not just happening in California, if you believe that map. And that is why it should be something that we talk about and care about. And it's something we need to fight on in the culture. Well, y'all, that's what we've got time for today on the Andrew Cooper Writer Show. I thank y'all so, so much for joining me. You have a great weekend. I hope if you've got questions, reach out to the show, info at theandrewshow.com. I know you're not going to agree with me 100% of the time, but I'd love to hear your opinions on the show. That's info at theandrewshow.com. Y'all have a great rest of your weekend. We'll see you back here Monday, 9 a.m. on WZXI, 1 o'clock everywhere else. We'll see you soon.